Thank you for listening to our Love City Church podcast. Visit us online at www.lovecitychurch.ca. We pray that this message encourages you and strengthens you in your walk with Jesus. So let's get into it today. So where we've been for the last nine weeks is when I started this series, coming into this new year, or coming into this new season, rather, we were without a building, and we were so passionate for God. Our church has grown significantly since we moved into this space. We've had visitors, and new people find Christ, and new families added to the house of God. Praise the Lord for that. But while we were in that season praying for a building, we didn't have a facility. Our church was just so passionate for God. We were were pressing in. There was faith in the house. And I just felt this concern. I said, Lord, I want this momentum in our church to continue. And I felt the Lord uh, encourage me to teach you out of the book of Acts uh, for our time here uh, that we've been in the last nine weeks and look at what Uh, generated the spiritual momentum in the lives of those new believers, these early church, and what what spurred on the the, the spiritual momentum that was going on in the early church? What caused there to be miracles and signs and wonders and salvation of the lost? And what caused there to be breakthrough in people's lives and demonic forces would flee and, and disciples being made and churches being planted? I want to see everything God has for our church to happen in our lifetime. Amen? Amen. And I believe that comes from spiritual momentum. And what we've been looking at for the last nine weeks is literally one verse. And this one verse, uh, Dr. Luke, who was not, uh, was not walking, didn't walk with Jesus. He, uh, he wasn't with the disciples. Uh, he wasn't there uh, in, in the book of Acts. He was uh, later found Christ to the apostle Paul, and he gathered, uh, inter- he interviewed hundreds and hundreds of people to try to understand who was this guy named Jesus in, in the flesh, and, and what had happened in the book of Acts, and what happened when the day of Pentecost. And so he went, and he, he gathered all these interviews, and he, he gathered all these things together, and he began to put together these documents we call the Gospel of Luke and, and the book of Acts. And what he did was he asked them, what happened, and how did this work, and what, what, what happened in the church? that day. And he talked about the mighty move of God in Acts chapter 2 when the Holy Spirit came down and tongues of fire rested on their head. And the scripture says they began to speak in unknown languages and began to, began to speak out loud. And, and every single language represented in the place that day with 900,000 uh, people had gathered. And they began to hear the, the testimony of how good God is. And these people thought, oh man, these guys, some thought they were drunk. And they're like, no, 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 it's 9 o'clock in the morning. Someone's probably drunk, but we're not in 9 o'clock in the morning. Ain't 12 o'clock no, I'm just kidding. Uh, We're not drunk. We're filled with the Holy Spirit. They begin to declare the goodness of God. And that day it says 3,000 people, their their hearts were stricken by the Holy Spirit. And they said, what do we do? And 3,000 people that day, they repented of their sin. They turned to Christ. Immediately they were water baptized, which is happening next week. Come on, if you're a a new believer and you've not been water baptized, I'm gonna say this to you. Getting water baptized is like going from zero to 60 in your walk with God. Something changed changes in your mind. Something happens supernaturally. So don't allow, I believe, the enemy likes to lie to new believers and say, it's not that big of a deal. Let me tell you, you want to experience everything God has for you? Come on, don't jump in this brand new horse trough tank that we bought. That's going to go right here and the water's going to be warm. Hallelujah. I might even take a little soak beforehand. Just kidding. I won't do that. That's gross. There's no chlorine in it. So it's disgusting. They're like, never mind. So I want you to get water baptized. I probably shouldn't have said that. <laughs> Lindsay, did you like that? Okay, good. They got water baptized. 
And then Dr. Luke wrote, okay, they got water baptized, 3,000 people were added to the church that day. And then he writes this verse. He says, all the believers devoted themselves. How many? All. all. Not half of them, not some of them, not just this group, not just that group, not, not, not just some of them. All of the believers devoted themselves. That word devoted literally means in the Greek to obsessively addict yourself to something. What Luke is writing here is, is and this will never change. I don't care what society says. I don't care what culture says. I don't care what kind of deconstruction we're doing. At the end of the day, this verse remains the truth that Dr. Luke articulated. This is how you stir spiritual momentum, stimulate spiritual momentum in your life and in the church. It's when you obsessively addict yourselves to the teachings of Jesus Christ. What that means is, the apostles' teachings, is, is that even though the culture says that things in this Bible are not accurate due to culture or society, whatever, we say, nope, I am obsessively and addictively committing myself to every word written in this book. Even when society doesn't like it, I'm going to stand true to it. Why? Because this is truth. And they committed and addicted themselves to the fellowship, koinonia. This was what we create groups in our church. Just It's our starting point for that. It could happen in other ways, but this, they were obsessively addicted to being in groups together, being in fellowship together, eating together, doing communion together, and they were obsessively addicted to be, uh, that word prayer speaks to the idea that they would gather together in prayer and in worship at the house of God. They would come. We are obsessively addicted to God's word fully, to, to, to gathering together in relationship, and to being in the house of God for worship and prayer. Literally, that's what Dr. Luke said that they did to stir the spiritual momentum in their lives. And we live in a culture and a society that says those things aren't important anymore, but Dr. Luke is saying, yes, this is what they did. And then we spent the next few weeks talking about what, what are the results of that? We, the results of that are that we begin to be bold in our faith. The result, the evidence of momentum in my life, the evidence of spiritual momentum in my life is I begin to share my faith. The evidence of spiritual momentum in my life, which we talked about last week, and if you didn't hear, I really strongly encourage you to go listen to it, because fear came upon every soul. They recognized that he's not just a loving God, but he's a holy God. And that when the angels stood around the throne of God, they didn't sing love, love, love. They sang holy, holy, holy. He's a loving God. He's a forgiving God. He's a gracious God, but he's also a holy God. A fear came upon every soul. Listen to that last week. I believe it was a word for our church. And then miracles were done, wonders and signs through the apostles, and look at this, all who believed were together. How many? All. all. And they had all things in common and sold their possessions and goods and divided them among all as anyone had need. Chapter four, all the believers, how many? All. I hope you're getting the point there. All the believers were united in heart and mind, and they felt, that's a feeling, it's a sense, it's a, a spiritual atmosphere. They felt that I don't, what I own anymore is not mine. It's a feeling. So they shared everything that they had. Look at this. And there were no needy people among them. Because those who owned land or houses would sell them and bring the money to the apostles to give those 
who were in need. Now, this isn't a com- communistic society or this isn't a, a society where we don't own anything. Notice that they, they went from house to house. And so this wasn't a, a, an encouragement for communal living uh, because they had homes, individual homes, where they slept separate from one another. <laughs> Thank the Lord. Um, This wasn't them just giving up their home. This was them selling extra things, extra homes, extra land, extra things that that now they realize, now that I have Jesus, I really don't need these things. I don't need that much anymore. And so I'm going to use that and I'm going to come over here and I'm going to serve the needs of, of these people. There was no needy people among them. And the results of this devotion was the fear of God, the boldness in their faith, miracles. And these believers began to do something supernatural that every single individual, every believer in the house of God can do. And the word today, the thing, the thing that, that, that identified spiritual momentum in their life was the word servanthood. They served each other. They laid their lives down for one another. The new birth of the Holy Spirit produced such a radical transformation in these new believers that they went from a life of thinking about themselves only and focusing on themselves only to sharing every single aspect of their lives. They went from a place of of grabbing to a place of giving, a, a place of wanting something from God to a place of saying, Lord, what can I do for you in your house? Now, I want to tell you something now, and I don't have time to show you. You look up every scripture in the New Testament and almost every scripture in the New Testament that talks about loving one another and serving one another is in the context of the local church. Every single time it talks about Serving brethren, serving brothers and sisters, serving each other. There's something supernatural about when you and I serve one another. The spirit of servanthood penetrated the New Testament church. It was a direct result of the outpouring of God's spirit. There was a new purpose in their life to serve the house of God. There was a new purpose in life to serve in the body of Christ. Now, before the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, before the Holy Spirit came down, these 12 disciples were walking and talking with Jesus, and in their mindset, they thought, okay, I have a relationship with Jesus. I'm walking and talking with him, and what he's going to do is he's going to set up a natural kingdom. He's going to be the king of Israel, and what I'm going to do is I get the opportunity to have some power here. I get the opportunity, man, I'm in the right place at the right time to found this new kingdom on the earth. And so the disciples had in their mind, they weren't thinking spiritually, they were thinking naturally. And so as they walked around, these disciples were really only thinking about how to gain things for themselves, how to gain advancement for themselves, how how to make this thing that they were doing about themselves. And we see this in Matthew chapter 10, verse 35. Look what this scripture says. It says this. Then James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came over and spoke to Jesus. Teacher, they said, would you do me a favor? I got an ask for you, God, and it's a big one, okay? And I want just to mention, James, my name's James, this is John, we came to you first. He says, what's your request? Jesus is so kind and gracious. What do you want? Well, when you sit on your glorious throne, we want to sit in the places of honor next to you. One on your right and the other on your left, and Jesus says to him, are you sure that you're willing to drink the cup that I'm about to drink? Are you sure that you're, you're, you're able to go through what I'm about to go through? Because in order for me to sit on that throne, I've got to be brutally murdered. I've got to lay my life down for many. And they said, sure, we can do that. <laughs> and he says, oh, you will do that, so don't worry. <laughs> and then he continues. 
He says, when the 10 other disciples heard what James and John had asked, they were, and they were ticked that they got to him first. <laughs> and Jesus called them together and said, you know that the rulers in the world lorded over their people and officials flaunt their authority over those under them. But among you, among who? You. Among who? Among the disciples, among the believers, among the house of God, it will be different. Whoever wants to be a leader among you in the context of believers, in the context of the church, must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first among you must be the slave of everyone else. For even Jesus, the Son of Man, came not to be served but to serve others and to give his life as a ransom for many. He says, even this is literally my purpose for coming to the earth is to be a servant. My goal and my purpose coming down to the earth as God is to serve the people around me by laying my life down for them. To get to the highest place, you have to take the lowest place. And this is one of the reasons that being a part of a local church is so powerful. Because what this does is this knocks down the hierarchy of the world, the, the, the status of the triangle of power where there's one person and we all serve that one person. That one person to us is Jesus. And we're shoulder to shoulder serving one another. And what that does when we serve one another, it causes there to be spiritual momentum in your life and in the church. And it expresses the glory of God. God's glory is poured out through you and I when we serve one another and lay our lives down down. God doesn't just provide for our needs individually so I can enjoy, but he provides for me so that I can provide for others. It's called body ministry. It's called being on a team. It's called being a member of the church. We provide teams in the church. Yes, because we need help, 100%. We need help with kids. We need help with all the different things. Sure, sure, sure. But we do that as a starting point for you. It's an on-ramp. Of, of being, of make, it's a point of reference for you to say, okay, I'm gonna join the broadcast team or the kids team or the sound team or I'm gonna join greeters or coffee. Those are, I'm gonna, in a group, I'm gonna sign up to bring food or, or I'm gonna help mission who we give thousands of dollars to a year or I'm gonna go and serve the, the hungry up there or the pregnancy resource center which we gave thousands of dollars to this weekend and they were trying to raise money over, I think it was $200,000 or something and we were a part of giving to that, uh, keeping, uh, keeping, uh, uh, whim, helping women give birth to their children and not ending that life. And we give money that you go serve in that environment or whatever it might be. These are just on-ramps and starting points of, of taking a, a physical step in our life towards generating something in our hearts and our minds that really and truly you experience what God intended for you. Because when you became a follower of Jesus Christ, he did not add you to the Starbucks. He didn't add you to a, a home. He didn't add you to, he added you to the church. He added you to people. He added you to one another. He added you to serve each other in love and to lay your life down for one another. That's what Jesus did. And when you and I do that, something supernatural happens in our lives. And I'll say this boldly, the highest and the greatest thing that you can do with your life as a Christian is to serve the body of Christ. Many of us won't speak on the stage. Many of us won't prophesy on a Wednesday night. Many of us are too shy or we're too introverted or maybe we're, we're, we're new to the faith. Or many of you will not do some of these public ministry things. You might, you know, I could, you know Lindsay might be on the drums next week. I hear you're a good drummer, yeah? No, okay. Not everyone's gonna be able to be on the stage and play the piano like Rodrigo. But each one of us has to understand that even on the smallest thing that you do, 
the cup of coffee that you hand out, the person that you say hi to, the, the, the offering to, you know, Carrie's bringing food for the team on, you know, can I, can I make food for you? And it's been incredible, by the way, Carrie. Thank you. Just the smallest thing that you have, just to give. What you're doing is you're beginning to serve the house of God. You're meeting a need. Now, I want to just point something out here. I want to drill down into this just a little bit. Because this is where often we get stuck in our journey with God. We get stuck. We often will join a church or become a part of the body and we get our, our, our needs met to a point, but we forget that the point of being in church is not just to get my needs met. The point of being in church is to meet others' needs. The point of being here isn't just that I can get filled up and get fat in the tummy and go home and be like, oh, that was a good meal. Woohoo! The point of being in the house of God is to meet the needs of other people. We see, you'll drill down to this a little bit. I want you to see this. That when you obsessively commit yourself to the truth of God's word, to the church community, to gathering for worship and prayer, communion, eating together, your needs will be met. And in turn, you get to meet others' needs. Now, I want to look at the scripture for a minute. Look at this right here. There were no needy people among them. This word needy here is an interesting word. It's a word that actually, it means uh, deficient or lacking. The root word here for, for needy is to be bound up, to be tied up, to, like, to, be, to be in bondage with chains. The word here is that the, the need in your life is actually causing there to be a barrier between you moving forward in life. And so when there's a need in our life, it often will keep us from seeing momentum forward. This need can often hold us back. It can often hold us down. And what happens is, is that we find ourselves creating our life centered around this need. Our whole focus is on the need. Our whole focus is on the need for money or the need for this or the need for that. And so our entire attention, even as followers of Jesus, stops being about the needs of those around me, but starts being about the needs of my own life. And what happens is, is that you get centered on yourself and you forget that you've been added to the church to make a difference of, in the lives of those around you. Now look at these five things. You know this probably, but there's five needs we often identify. We have our physical needs for our bodies, food and, and water. We've got our need for security and comfort, like a house, and to, you know, to make sure that we're safe and that, and that we don't get injured, and you know, our safety, our security. These are, these are external needs. These are needs on the outside. These are things that, that each of us have, uh, need to be met in our life. Now, here's the challenge. We live in North America. We live in North America where I won't say 100% of you, but a majority of the people in this room today have our physical need and our security and comfort met. And what happens often is we meet these needs in our lives. We, we come to church and we, we, you know, we, we we're blessed financially and God begins to provide a home for us and our external needs are met, but there's still so much internal things going on in your life. There's still a need for relationship and community. There's a need for personal identity. Who am I? There's a need for purpose in your life. And so what happens is that many followers of Jesus, they get their external lives figured out. Man, I got a good home and life's good and I got a promotion. But inside, you're, you're, you have a need for deeper relationship. You have a need for understanding who you are. You have a need for, for your purpose in life. I, this week alone, I had eight appointments for people who are looking for work. And the common theme between them all is purpose. So I say, okay, if you're missing your purpose need, if that's not being filled in your life, you have to go down one level. Okay, well, how is your identity doing? Well, my man, I'm, I'm missing out on my walk with God and I feel disconnected and I feel broken. Okay, then if that needs not being met, you gotta go even farther. Are you in community around people who can love you and speak life into you and encourage you? 
So what happens is, is that a lot of times our first external needs get met. But we come to church and we never actually allow God to change the internal need in our lives. We never actually allow God to, to let us be in a community, even though sometimes I don't like these people and sometimes we don't have anything in common. I'm going to make a commitment to be in this relationship with these people. And what happens is, is God begins to use the community to cause spiritual momentum and you discover who you are. And then you begin to have a purpose because you're serving everyone around you. See, what happens is that many of us come to the house of God and we have our external lives meant, but we never allow God to change the inside. And so we can never fully serve other people if your previous needs have not been met. So that's why many of us are frustrated. That's why many of us can come and go and check in and check out because your external needs, great, God, life's good, man. I got a good job and my kids are good and life's good. But deep inside of you, you lack identity. Deep inside of you, you're lacking purpose. Deep inside of you, you're lacking community and relationship that isn't just saying hi and bye at the water cooler, but actually going deep into the realities of your life and getting down deep in the fact that, man, my mar- marriage is falling apart and I'm addicted to that thing and I'm struggling in this way. See, those are the types of needs that you can meet with for one another. Why? Because most of your first two needs have already been met. You live in North America. You have homes. You have food. You say, well, Ryan, what can I offer? Well, maybe you had a bad marriage at one point and God restored it. How about serving someone else who has a bad marriage? No, Ryan, I struggle with addiction and I can't help anybody because I'm such a sinner. Yeah, you sure are a sinner, but maybe you can help somebody. See, this idea of serving, in our, we create practical opportunities through joining a team because we need your help, absolutely. But there are also practical ways for you to be in an environment where you can serve in the community, you can identify who I am and, and where am I going and, and, and what's my purpose. What happens is you start serving and you're doing the broadcast and switching the camera angles, one, two, one, two, and all of a sudden you turn the person next to you and there's Joel and Joel's having a rough day today and you just turn and say, hey man, how are you doing? Well, man, a really rough week, I really deal with anxiety. Oh man, I've been doing anxiety in my life too. And now you're using your internal need that God transformed to meet someone else's need. What happens is, is that we, uh, we think that serving means just physical energy, and it does. It requires your physical energy. But what we're really looking for is for you to meet the needs of one another internally. Now, when these followers of Jesus, when you became a Christian, when you became a follower of Christ, Jesus met every one of those needs. He provided a home for you. He provided food for you. Acts chapter 241 says this, and that day 3,000 people were added to the church. Who were they, what were they added to? So you immediately have relationship and community and through Christ and through the word, you know who you are and now you have a need to serve one another and meet the needs. Now, every single five of your basic needs, not including your spiritual need, every single five of your, of your basic needs are absolutely met immediately just by being added to the house of God. See, the importance of being involved in the body of Christ is that whenever we don't play our part, you need to hear this, the other parts of the church suffer. So when you're not sharing your story about your marriage struggles and you're not sharing the the ability you have to sing or you're not sharing the ability you have with these wonderful children or you're not sharing that or offering that, what happens is, and you need to understand this, the church suffers. The Bible teaches that. That we're all parts of one body. And when one part doesn't do their part, other organs in our body will suffer. Understand that. that The goal of this church is to be healthy, right? We want to be a healthy church. And so in order to be a healthy church, we need you to begin to understand that a part of the spiritual momentum in your life 
is you beginning to serve one another. Now, that might be joining a team. That might be in the, con- the, 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 the might be in a group. It might be at Pregnancy Resource Center or Hope Mission. And yes, it's tangible and it's physical, but it's a prophetic, a physical prophetic act to stir something internally inside of you. I want to just end on a scripture here this, this morning. And Jesus is um, about to be crucified. He's about to play the ultimate be the ultimate servant and be crucified and murdered on a cross. And he has this amazing meal with his disciples. And he's sitting around, they're having a good time, they're having good food and drinking some good fresh bread that Vince made for them from, um, from Mabel. Her name is Mabel. I have, I have Mabel, great-granddaughter. <laughs> it's a, never mind, you guys will get it. <laughs> having a good glass of wine, they're hanging out, sitting around, and Jesus all of a sudden doesn't say a word. I mean, he's the most important person in the room. I mean, he's God. He gets up from the table. He takes his outer coat off. And he takes a a robe and he puts it around him, which signifies what the servants would do. Except I look much cooler than he did. Just kidding. And what he does is he walks over to these disciples' feet. Now, think about this for a moment. Scripture says that Jesus, he got on his hands and knees in front of the very ones he created. Think about this for a minute. He's so omnipresent and so omniscient that God, Jesus, was there before the foundation of time that when you were created, when when Peter, the the, the dying Peter was created, Jesus was in the room. And he, he, the creator, bowed before his creation. And he grabbed their stanky, nasty feet. Peter's always dealing with his nasty toe. (laughs) And Jesus begins to wash his feet. And then he goes to the betraying Judas and looks him in the eyes and he washes his feet. And then he goes to doubting Thomas and he begins to wash his feet. And he washes every one of these disciples' feet. And he says, okay, this is an opportunity to teach them something. To teach them something about the church. To teach them something about their lives. To teach them something about what really matters. Because one day when they die, I'm not going to say good job, good and faithful prophet. I'm not going to say good job, good and faithful evangelist. I'm going to say, good job, good and faithful servant. Look what Jesus says. Since I, your Lord and your teacher, have washed your feet, you ought to wash one another's feet. I have given you an example to follow. Now do as I have done to you. And I love this part. Look what he says. Now that you know these things, God will bless you for doing them. Every single time I serve someone or encourage someone or help set up chairs or put out coffee or whatever it might be, however, whenever you're meeting the needs of people in the environment, every single time you're doing that, you're, you're modeling what Jesus would do. And he says, I'm going to bless you for doing that. I know no one sees it. I know, I know no, no one understands it. But you're making a conscious decision to serve in the house of God. And then he continues. He says this. So now I'm giving you a new commandment. Love each other. Just as I have loved you, you should love each other. Now look at this. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. I will, they will look at the body of Christ, at Love City Church and say, okay, 
help me understand this here. Like, you have all your needs met. Yep. Like, like you know who you are. Dude, I know who I am because, man, I got Jesus in my life, and I'm a part of a good community, and I've got great relationship, and I've got a purpose, and sometimes it's a big deal. Sometimes it's not. Sometimes I'm cleaning when no one sees it. I'm vacuuming the floor, and no one who sees this, God, I say, Jesus, I do this for an audience of one. I do this for you. Why? Because I want to bring you glory, God, because I want to obey your word, God, because I want to see spiritual momentum conjuring up in my life, God, because I want to serve your house, God. See, what happens is, is that spiritual momentum begins to happen. Every single need in the body internally and externally is met, and the world looks at it and thinks, I've never seen this before. I've never seen God move in such powerful way through people who literally lay their lives down for one another. So this, as I end today, this is my encouragement to you. I want to encourage every one of you to pick up a towel. Grab a towel. If I meant to have towels here, but I forgot to bring the illustration. <laughs> it's at my house before I left. Pick up a towel. Where can you wash someone's feet at Love City Church? How can you use your story to wash their heart? How can you use your life to wash their feet? How can you serve? It might be joining a team, which we always need your help. I won't, I won't lie to you, but you could always join a team, but maybe it's Hope Mission, or maybe it's Pregnancy Resource Center, or maybe it's in your group, or maybe it's just coming to be an encouragement. I don't know what it is, but listen, when you begin to do this, there is something beautiful. You are proving that I am a disciple of Jesus Christ. And the world looks upon it, and they see what God intended for the world is for us to truly love one another. I want to pray for you today. We're going to sing just a part of this song today, but would you just stand to your feet real quick? And I want to pray for you. Mind just closing your eyes if you could. Just for a moment, just close your eyes. I just, Lord, I just pray right now. I just sense in my heart there have been people in the room and this is just what I hear, so I'm going to say it, that have maybe served in other environments, God, and they got burned. So they're carrying a burden of offense or hurt or I'm never doing that again or Lord, I understand it because I've been through it. Holy Spirit, I just pray today and this is my prayer every single time. Holy Spirit, would you bring a fresh grace a grace to serve a grace to love a grace to encourage a grace to lift up a grace to love on one another a grace on our church a grace that people would feel that man nothing's my own people would sense it that they wouldn't just live for themselves but they would live to serve one another god i pray holy spirit you would begin to open their eyes up to see opportunities and moments holy spirit we always say will you prompt them to join a team or you prompt them to serve someone else you prompt them holy spirit that's your responsibility god not mine so holy spirit i pray right now for those in the room who've been holding back due to pain or hurt in the past those who feel like they're inadequate those who feel like they got nothing to offer I pray today they would know that God, their small act of service, their serving in the house of God makes a difference in the body. It causes the hot body to be healthy and the body to grow. And we pray, Holy Spirit, you'd remind them of that today. And you help us, Father, to build a healthy, life-giving church that serves people and serves one another and that all of our needs we met. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, let's sing this song together. Thank you for listening to our Love City Church podcast. Visit us online at www.lovecitychurch.ca.
We pray that this message encourages you and strengthens you in your walk with Jesus.